You are listening to Get Your Sexy Back podcast with Kim Coffin, empowerment, sex, love, and relationship coach. My goal is to bring you uncensored healing and pleasurable wellness through sacred sexuality, sex positivity, and empowerment that feels good to your body. So as a collective, we can release shame, reclaim the places we've been most disempowered, reconnect to our body, remember who we are, and step into our unapologetic power basically breaking down the walls of our conditioning and the patriarchy together. My pussy is so excited that you are here. Let's drop into this week's episode. So welcome. For those who don't know me, uh, I'm Kim. I am Kim Coffin. I am an empowerment, very deeply trauma-informed as well, by the way, somatic empowerment and sexuality coach, teacher, speaker, and best-selling author, graduate of Gina's School of Womanly Arts and Leila Martin's Institute of Integrated Tantric Sexuality, as well as founder of Get Your Sexy Back. So I specialize in, what this all means is I specialize in sexuality, tantric sex, relationships, giving my clients the tools to unleash their sexual confidence and unlock profound new levels of self-love, pleasure, empowerment, connection, healing, intimacy to themselves, but also in their relationships and in their partnerships. So as we're diving in here, I'd love to know what comes up for you when I say sex ed? I'd love to know your first thoughts around that. You can also add in a piece around it. Where did, did you get sex ed? Like, did you receive it? Did you receive it from school, from parents, from friends, other places, anything at all around that? I'd love to know. And that'll help me kind of guide the call tonight, just to make sure you get what you receive, what you want to receive. So I never got sex ed and it was very taboo and not really talked about. Yeah, that's very, very common. Very common. And as a third piece, where do you feel on a scale of one to 10, one being not very confident, 10 being very confident, where are you feeling today around knowing about sex, sexuality, your body, everything like that? So one being not much at all and 10 being I'm like, I'm confident and feeling really comfortable with my sexuality and sex and all of that. And you can just drop a single number in the chat, whatever that is. Seven. Fabulous. That's pretty good. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Totally want to celebrate you for being here as well. Uh, It's not always easy, right? When we're going into these taboo subjects, and even if we've gotten over a lot of the taboo subjects that, um, you know, were taught to us or or not talked about and very hidden and hush-hush as a child or teenager, even as we get into it as an adult and we're feeling more empowered, the stories underneath the body stories, the body memory around the shame and the taboo can still pop up. So I just want to honor that and speak to that too. You know, you could be feeling really, really good. And they're like, why am I feeling squeamish and weird about this right now? So things can pop up and change change as we go. And I just want to mention that. So I wasn't always empowered in my sexuality. If you told me 10 years ago, I was going to be a sex coach, I would have gone, huh? What? No, you're nuts. Um, so if I go all the way back, you know, my sex ed per se was in like grade seven, grade eight, and it was feel filled with shame and fear and laughing and making fun of and not much 
conversation around pleasure, right? So there was actually this jar that went around in, in grade eight where I remember we all had to stick our hand in and, and pick out this, this piece of paper with a sexual word on it. And we had to open the paper, read out the word and tell the class in our sex ed class that we're supposed to be learning from what that meant. And of course, that doesn't make sense because the teacher is supposed to be teaching us what these things were. Uh, and I got the word masturbation and I had no clue what that word meant, let alone how to pronounce it. So I was like, um, masturbation. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And of course, the entire grade seven and eight class like erupted into outright laughter and giggles. And I think I got that for the rest of the primary school, rest of grade eight of, you know, Master Bush and Hey Master Bush. And there's tons of shame and fear and embarrassment and all of us through my sex ed. And it wasn't very comfortable. It was awful. And then also, as we lean into, you know, my 20s and 30s, I was ashamed, right? Not, not specifically just from the masturbation word, but from not knowing, not being taught about my body, about my pleasure, about consent, about knowing what I liked and didn't like, all of these pieces that we're going to kind of dive into tonight, I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And I had to use alcohol to get out of my head a lot during sex, almost most of my 20s and 30s. If it was sober, I wasn't able to actually have sex that felt good. I actually was thinking about laundry and what am I doing? And oh, maybe this doesn't feel good. Should I say something? Oh, I have to go pee. Oh, this is, yeah. It was really not good. It was very, very proving very, um, very stuck in my head and not very comfortable having sex. So um, I felt numb. I, I could only access pleasure for very small amounts of time. And typically I needed alcohol to do so. So, and I thought this was normal. I thought this is the way it is. This is what everybody is. Everybody, everybody makes you know fun of, oh, you're out drinking tonight. You're going to get lucky tonight, right? There's these comments and there's these things that are said and you kind of start to think, okay, this is normal. And what I saw in movies and TV around sex and sexuality also wasn't me. There was never any, you know, exquisite pleasure dates and nights where it was like, oh, that's like, looks like it, how it looks in the movies. There was always like, okay, it's not quite the same for me. So I thought there was something wrong with me. And I thought that's just the way it is. Um, and by the way, TVs and movies and porn is not accurate either, uh, but we'll get into that. But that's all I knew. That's what I thought was possibly the way it was supposed to be, which it also isn't. But there definitely wasn't any self-honoring based, pleasure-based sexuality and sensuality around me and my body. And this is when I learned a new way to come into the self-honoring pleasure-based sexuality, where I was able to release shame, conditioning from my body. And I was able to you know, learn what I liked and learn what I didn't like. I learned how to ask for what I wanted, create boundaries, around my pleasure and sexuality and not simply go through the motions in the bedroom. And from there, I learned how to deepen into my pleasure, fully reconnecting to my body, to my sensations, to my emotions, to my turn on. And I'm happy to share more as we go. I'm a totally open book. It's actually started on my own journey through 
a reclamation, actually, a lot of the, it already started in 2013 of me starting to reclaim some boundaries and some places around my body and my sexuality, but it really took till 2017, where a teenage sexual assault from my stepfather at the time, and a betrayal from my mother really came to a head. And it, it forced me to go in and do a lot of the healing work that I have done over the last seven years now of a really deep dive into healing the body, the heart, the soul, everything at once. And I've done this through Tantra and sacred sexuality and through all of the work that I teach my clients today, which we're going to dive into some of this. So I'd love to know, what were you taught about your pleasure? Were you taught about pleasure or were you taught whether it was at school or not? Because you said, not really talked about, right? And never got sex ed. But what were you taught about pleasure and about sex? Was it more fear-based? Was it more don't do it because you're going to get STIs or STDs? Or, and then you might die. Or you might get pregnant and you're going to wish you were dead. (laughs) That was one that I got. And so, yeah, I'd love to know what you were taught. It was more fear-based that you would get pregnant. Yeah, yeah totally hear that pregnant or yeah very very scary and i if if there's anything that you know that you already have questions that you really would like to learn more about tonight i would love to know what they may be where do you feel like you're still missing a little bit of information around your body around your pleasure around your orgasms around sexuality anything at all is there anything that you're like i need a little more help in this specific area And I actually want to speak to body parts quick tonight, because so many of us have been taught, especially for women, were taught the improper names for our body parts, for our vulva specifically, right? So our vulva would be the proper name for a woman's genitalia per se. Here is a little model that I have. Um, And vagina is also what a lot of people call everything here. And it is not accurate. So vagina is actually only the vaginal canal where baby comes out, period comes out, things like that, right? So that is vagina, but the proper term is vulva. And you'll also hear me a lot use the term um, pussy, which pussy, before I kind of dive in, is using the entire pelvic bowl of a woman. We're using vulva, vagina, ovaries, womb space, whether it's energetic or actually still there. Um, The energetic space still holds that energy. And pussy is, to me, the encompassing of a woman of her sacred inner power. It's her inner knowing. It's the power center in her body. And so it's also reclamation, a reclamation of a word that has been used against us with shame and thrown at us, uh, even even comments like, hey, don't be such a pussy, which is calling somebody weak, right? In reference, which pussies are not weak. Pussy, pussies push out babies. They're very freaking strong. So um, I choose to use the word pussy because it is more of a reclamation of reclaiming the places where we have been disempowered around our female bodies. And also tapping into our power center, our creation center, our innate inner knowing center. So you're going to hear me use that word um, as we go. So first, if you have any questions as I go, please ask. So first, we're going to start dispelling some myths and falsehoods that um, are holding us back from creating a healthy sexuality so that we can move into one that holds less shame and way more pleasure. 
So first off, I want you to know that your body is a pleasure trove. Um, many women have been led to believe that their bodies are for their partner's pleasure and their partner knows their body better than they do. And that is not true. It is simply not true. Your pleasure is yours. You do not need a partner to experience exquisite, exquisite pleasure. That doesn't mean I'm saying, hey, don't go have a partner. I'm saying, hey, you get to have exquisite pleasure with your body and then also meet a partner in pleasure should you desire to. And you also don't need to give your power away to have epic, epic sexual experiences. So the roadmap to your pleasure is yours versus letting, you know, somebody else take the lead and you just kind of starfishing or bumbling around or not asking for what you want. And I get it. It's not always easy to ask for what we want. This is some of the things that I help my clients do is learning what they want, what they like, asking for what they like learning the words around it because these conversations can be really new and they can be really tricky in the beginning if you've never done them before. And it's important that we ask for what we want as women because newsflash, they being our partners don't have any fucking clue either. They really do not know what women want. They're actually really confused. Men like to, if we're talking about roles between men and women, Men, and I'm going to speak that way for most of the class today, but I do recognize that there's many other different types of relationships, but men like to give, and we could even go into the masculine. We all hold masculine and feminine energy. And a lot of the people in the masculine energy like to give and more people in the feminine energy, women per se, like to receive. So we should really start working here and it should work, but I find there's actually a discrepancy and a gap that is in there between women being able to receive and men not knowing what to give because they're not the women aren't communicating with them and telling them what they want so there definitely is a gap in there and um, we're going to just go into your pleasure at the moment so that you can learn a little bit more about you and then we can take it a little further and share with partners so there are 10,000 nerve endings in this beautiful pussy in your clitoris specifically. 10,000 nerve endings all for your exquisite pleasure. They used to say 8,000. Maybe you heard that for years. That was off bovine. Um, that wasn't ever actually studied on actually a female adult human or female human, right? So um, the pleasure trove that I was talking about can be all over your whole vulva, not just your clitoris. A lot of people are very familiar with clitoral orgasms and they are amazing, but there's so much more available. So we can, of course, have clitoral orgasms. Most of us are aware of clitoral orgasms, but not everybody. Uh, no shame if you don't. And there can be vaginal orgasms, G-spot orgasms, cervical orgasms, deep womb, back of the back orgasms, um, full body orgasms energetic orgasms, there can actually be third eye, nipple orgasms, there's so much possible. Basically, we can access and learn how to tap into pleasure throughout our entire body. So I just want to speak to that. So basically, your pussy is an entire wonderland of pleasure available to you. And there's ways, you know, to go really slow, even if you're exploring with yourself, and you know, hover over Hover over hair, play with the labia, play with the lips, play with the inner lips, the outer lips. We don't right have to go to clitoral stimulation. We don't also have to go to vaginal stimulation. There's lots of ways to go really slow. Something I want to show as we go here too. So people are aware of the, the clitoris at the top, um, you know, that, that little nub that some people 
are able to access. But what they maybe don't know is actually the clitoral bulb goes all the way throughout deep into your vaginal canal. So there's bulbs and legs and all of this swells up when you start to get turned on. So technically, um, this is some timing, a woman is never ready to be penetrated until there's at least 20 minutes of turn on happening because we need all of this. This is erectile tissue, just like a penis. We need all of this erectile tissue to swell up and to get engorged. And then a woman is actually ready to be penetrated. So, and something else I want to speak to that as well is I talked about the masturbation word a little earlier. I want to invite everyone to not potentially use the masturbation word going forward unless you really, really like it. But the word mas- to masturbate means to soil one's hand, which words matter. And that wording does not give such a, a lovely meaning, right? It actually ha- holds shame and um, shame and fear and almost like condemnation that you're in trouble for masturbating per se. So I would actually invite you to use the word self-pleasure. That is the word that I choose to use because I think words matter. And uh, I don't want to use a word that means something so shameful per se as to soil one's hand. So I want to talk about, you know, asking for corrections. Not all partners are familiar with how to touch you, right? And that's what we talked about sharing in the beginning. So I would invite you to ask for corrections if it doesn't feel good to speak up to say hey you know you can grab their hand if they're if they're touching you with their hand and slightly move it a little bit you can tell them softer gentler you know you can tell them it can change speed sometimes it's easier to say these things before a sexual encounter but i invite you to speak up and give your suggestions for what you like and of course, it's really, really hard to know what you like if you don't know what you like. It's really hard to tell your partner what you like if you don't know what you like. So this is where one of the keys to epic sex is actually practicing, like sexual practicing, coming into, it's like training, sexual training of learning and playing with a jade egg or a crystal dildo, going into meditative practices, into sacred sexuality practices, into tantra practices, and learning how your body works. So because once you know how your body works, you're able to tell a partner what you like, what you don't like, what would feel really good right now. And that's where we can start to eradicate the shame and the fear that has been built into our bodies around sex and sexuality. Another really cool tip is to try like a men from what I understand across not everybody, but across the board a lot, like a lot more pressure than women like. So sometimes men can, you know, go at um, a vulva or a clitoris, a little rough and too hard. And this can be, you know, not feeling great. It can actually kind of be painful sometimes, right? So it's important to tell them what you like, but sometimes it's easier. They're very tactile and it's sometimes easier to like show them on the back of their hand, what kind of pressure you like. It's like, this is what I like. And sometimes, you know, I don't know for, for everybody, but as my turn on increases, actually my pressure increases and my speed increases, but it's important to, to tell them that like, things change. Sometimes you want it to, you know, be across your entire vulva and sometimes on clitoris. And definitely um, this conversation is really important about not being penetrated with a finger for the cock, with crystal dildo, whatever that may be until you're adequately turned on. Because when we are penetrating ourselves too quickly, or somebody is penetrating us too quickly, we're 
actually not ready and we actually are causing a little bit of tension and a little bit of trauma possibly in our own body by not listening to what our body wants. And this is really, really key. If we want to create safety and trust in our body, and if we want to feel exquisite pleasure and exquisite orgasms and have all of this amazingness that is available to us, we need to listen to our body. We need to listen to her yeses, and we need to listen to her noes. And pussy per se, vulva per se, knows exactly what she wants. It's not in our head. Our actual vulva, our pussy knows what she wants. And the harder part is actually sometimes deciphering what it is in the beginning and knowing and understanding what it is she wants. So this comes again from sexual training, from practicing Tantra, sacred sexuality, and learning how to listen to your body, learning how to reconnect to your body, and learning how to interpret the messages that are coming through from pussy. And when we do that, then we can also tell our partners what we want, which is so, so important. So another myth is that women can only orgasm through penetrative sex, which, you know, this is what we're showing, being shown in porn and movies. Of course, some people are more aware of these days that, you know, they can have clitoral orgasms, but to actually have an orgasm during sex, it can only be through penetrative sex. So that part is not true. And typically pleasure, like you see on movies or TV, is not exactly, or especially porn, is not like that. It is not like this. She gets penetrated and she just goes right into an exquisite orgasm. Um, she can definitely, if there's a lot of turn on, but I know this, this way that sex is portrayed in movies and TV leaves so many women feeling like they're broken, feeling that there's something wrong with them. And there's so much more pleasure available to you. But if you've been feeling numb, if you've been feeling disconnected, from body, from pussy, the first thing you want to do is learn how to reconnect, learn how to listen to what she wants, learn how to tune into when your body's leaning into a yes and when your body's leaning out into a no or a maybe. And I really want to speak to this. Consent is so important. Like we hear about consent. We're like, yeah, yes is a yes and no is a no, but I want to break that down further. Like a no is a no. A maybe is a no. Maybe want to be penetrated. Maybe want to be touched is a no. A yes is still kind of a no because it's only once we have a fuck yes like yes when you're actually almost begging for a yes full fuck yes right then you're a yes and i want to speak to that because we can actually cultivate more trauma and pain in our body by not listening to our yeses and if we're not listening to our body our body learns how to shut down more and more and more and you can ultimately lean into feeling not much pleasure at all, very numb, very disconnected. So it's important, I think, to speak to that. Trauma pay, plays a big role in how we show up in our sexuality. And trauma isn't always from sexual assault per se. Trauma can be from a bad pap smear. It can be from being penetrated with a loving partner way too soon. It can be from you not speaking up when something didn't feel good. It can be from you not speaking up when we don't go, when we don't say, I need to stop and go pee. Uh, it can be from giving birth. It can be from even having an exam while in labor and then throwing open the door and you're like, pussy is like full out for the whole world to see. These things actually cause this contraction in our body and they are little T, what I consider little T traumas. Not that one trauma is bigger or smaller than another, 
But these little T traumas, they add up over time and they can ultimately lead to numbness, pain, and disconnection. So I do like to speak to that so people understand. There's another piece in there that I want to speak to as well with around vibrators. So some women can only have an orgasm with a vibrator and that's some pretty heavy duty stimulation. And hey, there's nothing wrong with having a good orgasm with a vibrator. I am one to, to go there from time to time myself and they can actually cause you to feel less and less pleasure and to demand that you need more and more stimulation to feel pleasure. So you can actually desensitize yourself by using a vibrator. So instead, what I recommend is, sure, a vibrator is great from time to time, but use it very sparingly and play. So sometimes use your fingers, sometimes play with a partner, sometimes play with a crystal dildo or jade egg, and then sometimes play with a vibrator. And I recommend that you leave your vibrator on super, super, super low. And another thing I recommend that you do is start to titrate and play with two tools at once. So a great way to get away from a vibrator is if you're only using vibrator, you can only have an orgasm with a vibrator is to actually use a crystal dildo at the same time and play with a vibrator. So you're playing with penetration and the vibrator. And then as you start to get really turned on, take the vibrator away and keep playing with the crystal dildo. And then if you start to lose all of your turn on or you start to go, you know, below a four kind of thing out of 10, you can add a little bit of vibration um, stimulation again, and then take it away. This is also called edging, which is a way that you can actually build up your turn on and build up your uh, orgasm and have some really beautiful climaxes from this. And you can also desensitize to the point that your body is also learning to understand you're rewriting the neural pathways between your brain and your vagina when you're having pleasure from penetration with a little bit of stimulation from the vibrator. And you can actually learn to have an orgasm with just the crystal dildo. So there's ways to play with this there. And you can also do this with your partner as well. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be a crystal dildo. You can play with it in many different ways. So those are my little uh, tips on vibrators. Uh, another common myth or another common thing people say is just have sex, you'll get in the mood, right? Because it's true, if you are feeling turned on and you're ready you know, to have sex and you start playing and kissing and making out and then you get in the mood, sure, go ahead and have sex. But just having sex to get in the mood isn't going to happen. You're going to need to turn on. You're going to need to go slow. You're going to need to activate your turn on before you want to actually go in head and have sex. So there's something called, um, Emily Nagoski ref, like explains this beautifully in her book, Come As You Are, but here's a quick rundown. So we each have a gas pedal and we each have a brake pedal, right? So we each have an accelerator, we each have a brake, just like our car. And this is the same for our turn-on. So our accelerator is our turn-on. And some of us have a really sensitive accelerator, like it goes from zero to 60 in like two seconds flat. And some of us have an accelerator that is a little bit, you know, more like a four cylinder car or older, and it takes a little longer to warm up. So we each have different accelerators, things like stress, things like, um, I'm going to go into that in a second, actually, because first let me explain the brake. Then we have the brake. The brake, we also have different sensitivities on. Typically, not always, women have very solid brakes. If you didn't take out the garbage, if you were an asshole to me this week, if you haven't you know, had a light, nice healing 
um, after a rupture, if we haven't come back together and discussed the rupture that happened earlier in the week, a lot of women have a hard break and it's like this break is down on the floor and there's no way, even if you have a high accelerator for your turn on and you have a high accelerator for your break, or sorry, a high pressure on your brake. There's no way we're going anywhere. If you're pushing the brake and the gas at the same time, you're not going to turn on. And as I said earlier, if you're pushing through that and having sex anyway, you're actually causing more trauma and, and ultimately numbness, pain, disconnection when you don't listen to your body. So it does take those 20 minutes to turn on. And we really need to learn how to listen to our body to get the accelerator working. And when I started to talk about stress, so stress, a hard week, a fight, busy kids, laundry piling up, all of this stuff is going to influence our break. So, you know, taking care of the entire family, I'll go people pleasing, overgiving, going, 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 like all of these things are going to make our break right down on the floor. Like there is no movement, even if you have a really good accelerator and you turn on, if your brake is activated because of stress, you're not going to get there. So instead, there's so many options to play with. Um, and this includes, you know, slowing down, learning how to bring in epic, epic self-care, learning how to reduce stress, learning how to ask for what you want out of the bedroom, learning how to create boundaries with people in your life, learning how to speak your truth. Because when we take that stuff away, all of a sudden our foot pulls off the brake and all of a sudden our accelerator is available for some play, right? And then we also get to play with um, sacred sexuality, like sexual training. Practices are, are phenomenal for this. So learning how to take sex off the table. So it's reducing the pressure around sex. And we just get to deepen and expand into our pleasure and even mix, you know, the spiritual with the sacred. And it becomes very, very magical playing with sacred sexuality because we're taking all of that pressure off. Whether you're in a relationship or not, personal solo self-pleasure practices, I think, are key to reconnecting to your body, learning what you want, learning what you don't want, and really deepening into your own pleasure. You can always, of course, practice with partners alongside, but it is actually in my solo journey where I learned how to understand my body. There's tons to learn in there where I learned how to listen to what she's saying as a yes and listen to what she's saying as a no. So this is the, the solo work is so, so important. And then other people have, you know, some conditioning sometimes depends. There's ways to rewrite your sexual story. If your conditioning comes from fear and shame and uh, solo practice is bad, you should only be doing it with a partner. You're taking away from your partner or your relationship. A lot of these are stories and they're not true. So sometimes we need to rewrite sexual stories to actually allow the body to settle and actually receive pleasure without feeling shame and fear and all the layers of conditioning that are on top of that. So some other practices that you can play with to get into the mood, which are powerful, are playing with like pussy and cock massages, tantric sex practices, five senses pleasure practices, energy play, breath work, intimacy practices, tools, jade egg. There's so many practices that you can play with to allow yourself to reconnect with your partner, to slow down so that you're not just jumping into sex to get in the mood, but you're slowing down, releasing the stress, connecting, deepening in intimacy. And then you're going to find the turn on comes on. 
And sometimes you'll need a little bit more and you get to play and see what it is that you need. But when we start to connect in this way, there's just this satisfying, intimate level that allows women to feel safe. And once we feel safe, we can surrender. So that's so, so important. That was all on just have sex. So you'll get in the mood. Any questions around that? Another one I spoke to her a little earlier is, you know, you need weed or alcohol to enjoy sex, right? Like going out for the night and you're going to get lucky. Oh, you're getting laid tonight, right? Just because you're out at a party um, and it's expected that you're going to have sex kind of thing. And I did this for years. So no shame if this is you. For years, I actually had to be intoxicated to a certain degree to have sex because, you know, we think it's great and it allows us some freedom and some um some freedom and some, you know, loosens things up per se. But alcohol and weed can also do the same, can actually numb you out, which also affects your sleep, which also affects your future experiences around sex. Plus, when you are using alcohol and drugs, you're not available to listen to the messages that your body is sending you. So, it's really important that we learn how to reconnect to our body and learn how to activate our pleasure before we're using substances. You can also use, um, you know, weed down the road. Marijuana can be really powerful for some really fun experiences, but I think it's really important first to learn how to reconnect to your body and feel your pleasure and make sure you're speaking your truth and asking for what you want and following, you know, your pleasure in the bedroom before you add weed in. So, um, really alcohol and drugs are just an aid to help with shame and inhibition. And if you want to master your sexuality, you want to master it sober before you play with extra things. So if you've seen this pattern in the past and in, in you and your body, I invite you to get curious and take a look at, at, you know, why you're using substances to have sex and see what's in there. And again, no shame. If you are, I've done it. That is just what we all know. Um, and we've heard, and it's it's time to change that that narrative. So comments, um, this is something I've discovered, is that I have to slow down even with a high accelerator. Yeah, slowing down is so, so important. Uh, I've told my partner a few times, and sometimes he needs to be reminded again, like until I'm actually begging for him to penetrate me, I should not be penetrated. And we can sometimes lose our voice during sex or during intimacy and making out too, right? And we're like, eh, you know, I've already taken 30 minutes. Maybe I shouldn't ask for any more. And I'm going to invite you to say no. If you still are not fully turned on because you haven't had enough time to unwind and slow down and really drop into your body to the point that you're so turned on that you're begging to be penetrated, I invite you not to be penetrated because you are causing problems and it's not a listening. We're not honoring our body in that way. And if we're not honoring our body, we're actually not going to tap into our full amount of pleasure that is available to us. And we're also going to disconnect to a certain degree. Yeah. Another really common myth is that you can't have sex if a man doesn't have an erection. And this is not true. Sex is generally defined as penis and vagina, and that is also not true. So I want to invite you to expand your definition of sex. Sex can be everything else. There is so much more to play with, whether we're talking with pussy and penis massages, these tantric sex practices, practices making out. There's, there's so much more available. There's five senses, pleasure practices, breathwork, intimacy, you name it. Some of these may lead to intercourse, 
but there's still sex. You're still having, you know, different degrees of sexual experiences together. And some may not. You might just feel just as connected and satisfied after a pussy and penis massage, if not more, because there is space and permission for you to slow down, for you to feel, for you to emote, right? So I want to break down that sex is penis and vagina. It is not. And you can also have sex with a soft on, with a soft penis. You don't need to have a hard penis to have sex. There's, um, you know, women can take the top roll if, if there's a soft on and you can actually just, you know, rub against a soft penis. A woman is then actually in control of strokes and she can control the pressure. And men still receive pleasure even when it is soft. You can give a beautiful cock massage when, you know, it is soft and, and they quite enjoy it. And then maybe they will get erect and maybe they won't, but it's not always about that. There can still can be epic pleasure and we get to take the pressure off of men to be hard all the time. They don't need to be. There's so much pleasure that can still happen. And, you know, you'll see movies where, you know, the men get soft and like, okay, I'm done. It's like, no, you don't have to be done. There's actually more to play with. There's so much more, so much more. Another one is around women losing their libido as they move into perimenopause and menopause. This is simply not true. However, stress, losing a job, moving, divorce, death, grief, children, you name it, which I'm laughing at because I'm like, got about four or five on there right now. <laughs> I'm divorcing right now. I'm moving. Uh, there's definitely stress and there's kid stress as well. Um, but as I say, I'm still super, super turned on. Uh, I have no problem in that area. But those things can push your break down, right? They're going to push your break right down to the floor. The key to navigating these stresses, like I'm doing right now, to holding yourself through these heavy things is learning how to follow your turn on learning how to follow your pleasure, learning how to bring in epic, epic self-care, learning to speak your truth and to set boundaries. Because when we can do these things, we are actually pulling pressure off our brake. We're taking the pressure off our brake and then we're allowing our accelerator to have a little bit more movement. So as we move into perimenopause and menopause, you know, the common myths, the common stories that are spoken out there that, you know, oh, well, you know, you're not going to have sex anymore. There you go. You're done. There's laughing in the, in the locker room for the men um, because, you know, there's no turn on, there's no libido. And that is not true. I know so many women, myself included, that can be in perimenopause and menopause and have the most turned on, juicy, fun, sexual experiences ever, ever. I know women in their 60s who are like, I'm having better sex now than I did in my 30s. So do not believe that myth that all of a sudden you're going downhill from here on out is just not true. And you also don't have to try and do it all on your own. We do want to use lube and tell you the truth. You want to use lube no matter where you are at in your lifespan. Lube is important. Sure. We make a, 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 what we call it. We make our own lubricant from our body. However, this lube dries up and changes and the more lube you use, the more slip, the more sliding, the less friction, the less problem with a straight hair getting in the way, um, the less problem with being a little sore the next day, like things like this, the more lube and the better. And I highly recommend, I'm going to drop it in the chat as well. Um, I have a PDF that goes through all of the different pleasure tools that I recommend that I've been talking about in here. So I'm going to drop it in, in the chat here because it also goes through 
the type of lube I recommend. There's a couple of types that I recommend, but you want to have a lube that has the same osmolality of your vagina so that you are not drying out your vagina and not like over lubricating it, all the different things. So we want to make sure that you're playing with lube and having fun with it. You just simply need to talk to your partners and go, hey, I need lube. One of the, my favorite ones is Good Clean Love. It is available all over the world. And I like just the plain regular one. It is the water-based lube and it's fabulous. And if you're going to play with any anal play, you do want to make sure you have a little bit of silicone in your lube, whether it's full silicone lube or a blend of silicone and um, and water-based lube, but you do want some silicone for anal, anal play. Otherwise you will have some problems in a few minutes as your anal cavity like absorbs the lube. Okay, because that happens faster there. So yeah, that um, free essential pleasure list has the different lubes and different crystal dildos that I recommend, jade eggs that I recommend, um, squirt blankets, all the good things are all in there. So you can grab that if you'd like that. So this is a kind of part two to this where um, your libido goes downhill as you go into perimenopause, but also that your pleasure will wane and dwindle as your age is not true. Your clit never dies or atrophies. It's 10,000 nerve endings all in your clitoris. And it's there is no other purpose of, for your clitoris other than pleasure. No other purpose. It is the only uh, bodily item uh, that is solely for pleasure that has no other use. Nothing else has been needed for the clit. There's nothing else needed that we know of. Um, upper left quadrant can actually be the, this is going to be backwards because, but if you take your body, because um, this is going to be backwards because of the video, I think flip. But if you take your body, your upper left side of your clitoris, generally the quadrant on the upper left side is generally the most sensitive. Not always. You can try both sides and see, but that's generally the most um, sensitive. And there's 10,000 nerve endings in there, all for your pleasure. So, and I have to be honest, pleasure does not dwindle and age, uh, dwindle and wane, sorry, as you age. Uh, as of age, I've only increased in pleasure and only increased in turn on. I've seen this from so many people. So many people. Any questions in there? Any favorite ahas so far? Any takeaways that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that? I'd love to know. Um, and again, I want to really want to normalize self-pleasure, which, you know, if I'm using the word masturbation here, but I'm choosing to use the word self-pleasure because of what I explained earlier, because words matter. So it's totally normal to self-pleasure. There is so much shame and embarrassment around people self-pleasuring. I remember this for myself too. It was like, you didn't admit it. It was like a hee hee hee, we're not talking about it. Now I talk about it all over the internet. And I get it, like religion and a lack of information and maybe parents' unhelpful comments or whatever it may be left many of us feeling as if self-pleasure was wrong or dirty. And this is the way, though, that we reconnect to our bodies. How do we find out if and what we like and what we don't like if we don't explore on our own? This is your body and you have every single right to enjoy and explore your body. I know that conditioning can go really, really deep. And if that's something that you're struggling with, this again is something that you can rewrite through your somatic, like through somatic, through body-based work, which is how I work. 
Sure, we're doing sometimes a little bit of um, top work where we're doing some, you know, understanding the story, but then we're getting into the body. We're getting into the body and seeing what the body is holding around stories, around pleasure, around pain, around tension, around trauma, around, um, you know, sh- all the shame, all the shame, all these places. And if this is feeling really, really uncomfortable to listen to about self-pleasure being totally normal, there are ways to release the shame in a really embodied way so that you can be your full sexy self because that is what you're here to be. You are an erotic being. We are all born as an erotic being. We came from pleasure. We came from, you know, out of a womb space. And this is like a really, every single human on this earth was cultivated in a womb, right? This is where we're from. And to cut this part off from ourselves and from our everyday life is really, really hard and hurtful and, and, and hurts our psyches as we go through the world. There's so many benefits of self-pleasure that I'm just going to drop some of these here. So pleasure, one, calms you and grounds your nervous system, which reduces stress in your body. It's actually like a reset button every single time you have an orgasm. So it's really, really important to play with your own pleasure. Studies actually, there's studies on orgasm that they increase your immunity as well, which is super, super cool. Collagen is also released when we have orgasms. So that is like always wonderful as we're aging. Orgasms also keep tone in your pelvic floor, right? And then we can also add in things like de-armoring, which is a, a way that we can release stuck emotions, fear, shame, and conditioning from our body, whether we know it's there or not, because this causes stress and tension in our body and in our system. We can actually go into a pleasure practice and a specific pleasure practice called the armoring where we're actually learning how to release this shame conditioning and fear that's living in our body and sometimes it shows up this fear of pain and conditioning shows up as lower back pain or pain during sex or pelvic pain anxiety depression burnout frustration i had a lot of lower back pain a lot um pain during sex there's a whole pile of different ways that this can show up but we can actually go in and um learn how to release this from our body. So we actually, for female identifying humans, we actually hold our traumas in our more sexual areas. So we hold them in our vulva, in our pussy, in our you know clitoris and around in our inner and outer lips, as well as our lower belly, our breasts, our throat. So we're holding our trauma in these areas. So we get to go in and release this. It's really important. What else do I wanna share around that? Does that feel complete? Yeah, when we feel alive, when we feel turned on, when we feel juiced up in our own body, this is where our radiance comes from. This is where we are magnetic. This is where it ripples out into our life, into our relationships, into our businesses, our careers. When we follow our desires, where we go for more, where we show up unapologetically in who we are. And this comes from our turn on. This comes from our connection to our pelvic bowl, to our innate inner power that lives within every single female identifying human. It's all connected. Our sacred sexuality and our sacred pleasure keeps us young in body, mind, and spirit. All connected. So I also want to speak really quickly to um, women holding sexual trauma in their body from sexual assault, from shame, from medical trauma. Um, just And we also do it also from being simply a woman in this world living in the society that we live in today, where sex is shamed and we're not talk about our, taught about our body or taught about pleasure, right? So at any time 
if sex or anything does not feel right, if you're not enjoying, you need to pee. If it hurts, I really encourage you to speak up, to ask for what you need, to make corrections. And I know this can be so hard for so many women, but if we don't, we are causing more trauma to our body, which leads to numbness, the pain, disconnection that I've spoken about. So, um, and no shame if you've done it before. Damn, I've done it before a hundred times, right? We, this is our conditioning. This is how we've been set up almost to fail because we haven't been taught proper sex ed around pleasure, around our body, around actually our voice and our truth being okay, around consent. So it's really important. If you also want to um, listen to a podcast, I have a podcast called Get Your Sexy Back. And episode 170 has the must-have toys and lube to up-level your pleasure podcast. It actually goes in a little deeper around lube and around the continuation around the essential pleasure tools. The two go really hand-in-hand together. I like to have the visual in front of me, plus there's quick links in the essential pleasure tools that you can click and go right access to different things uh, around the world or on the internet. But it's really nice sometimes to listen to um, the guided audio with that. So that is episode 170 on get your sexy back podcast. There's so much we can cover. There's so much available in our pleasure, in our bodies, in our orgasms, in our turn on. There's so much. So if you want to go deeper and if you've had some ahas tonight um, from this, or if you're already knowing you want to go deeper or you're confused about certain things, um, I'm happy to connect with you. I'd love to connect with you. If you want to up-level your pleasure, up-level your O's, then I invite you to consider um, hopping on a free call with me to see the options of working together and how that looks. Right now, I actually have two spots open for private one-on-one coaching where we're going into cultivating less stress, less shame, less feelings of being broken, releasing trauma in your body, activating more orgasm, activating more pleasure, and, and really finding more overall joy and turn on and aliveness in your body and in your life. So if this feels good and you want to know more, I invite you to hop on a free call with me. I'll drop the link in the chat as well. This is what we'll do on this call is, um, you know, talk about specifically what's going on with you, what you're struggling with, what you want, what you desire. And if I can help you, I'll share with you, you know, the ways of how I work and, and see if working together sounds good. Um, but all of this less strain, less stress, less shame, less feelings of being broken and more orgasms and more pleasure and more turn on all leads to a more satisfying relationships, life, deeper intimacy, you know, feeling more happy, feeling more lit up in your day to day, feeling alive, sexy and free. So my private coaching generally goes for six months at a time where I work with my clients three times a month in 60 minute sessions, three times a month. And right now I do have two spots open. Uh, it's $800 a month to work with me privately one-on-one. And if you want to learn more, or if you're not quite sure if that's for you, uh, either way, hop on a call and let's talk. I also have my next program coming out really, really soon that I can also share that with you as well. And I also have my sacred pleasure membership. There's also a freestanding um, program on my website, my Jade Egg program. There's lots of goodies in there. And I share tons of free content all the time just to help you uh, really reconnect to your body and and see how this is working so if that feels good and you want to learn more please reach out grab one of those calls and um, we'll go from there hope you have a fabulous turned on day wherever you are whatever you're doing and we'll talk to you soon bye 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you got a juicy nugget or two, scroll down on whatever app you're listening to and leave a five-star rating and review. I invite you to follow me, join the conversation, the weekly lives, and a lot of other amazing free content in my private Facebook group. Let's get your sexy back. You can also friend me personally on Facebook, Kim Coffin, and follow me on Instagram at Get Your Sexy Back Coach. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, don't be shy. Reach out. I'd love to connect with you. 